Dr. Michael Girk is the uh, the genius behind the genius behind Catholic Adventures in great music. Uh, he is a composer in his own right and is the uh, the, uh, the author of many pieces of music. We'll play some of it today. And uh, we're going to have new episodes of Catholic Adventures and Great Music. And look, behind him, look, he, he prepared for TV, Michael Kirk's <laughs> Symphony Number no. 2, Tales from the Realm of the Fairy. Hey, Michael, good morning. How are you? Good morning. That's a big blow-up of my last, my new album cover that was uh, used as a selfie station at the album release party. And so I ha now I'm stuck with it in my house, and I don't know where to put it or what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made good use of it, actually. Yeah, this works. So. <laughs> All right, before as we get started here, you told me a most interesting story the other day, so I want to play a little piece of music for you, and I want you to tell me why this is so extraordinary. All right, you ready? Okay. Glenn Campbell, Wichita, Wichita I lineman. am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear through the wine and the Wichita lineman is still on the line I know I need a small vacation but it don't look like Okay, you said that, that, that this is an extraordinary piece of music and you somebody yeah. wrote you about it or you wrote something about it. Uh, uh, tell yeah. our listeners why. I just, um, I, I posted on my social media a copy of the score with the chords symbols marked for those who understand harmonic analysis of music. It The thing that, it's so expressive, you know, it's... It's so moving, and um, you know you could hear the emotion in it, and that comes in this case, I think, from the harmony. The chord changes are not like those of other songs. A lot of songs we just get, you know, what we call the one, four, and five chords, the the three basic chords. This has such interesting harmony changes that are so expressive, and um, that's. Harmony is one aspect of music that lies below melody. It supports the melody. And when the chord changes are so interesting and expressive, you get very emotional music. And uh, this, this isn't Glenn Campbell's. Uh, Glenn Campbell is a great player and singer, but, <clears throat> or was, but the songwriter here is Jimmy Webb. And he wrote a lot of big hits. Um, and if you just maybe just, I won't go through that, but j just look him up and you'll see the list of his hits. A lot of Glenn Campbell's big hits, um, he wrote, and just a, one of the great songwriters of the 20th century, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion. And you know what? I'm a classical guy. I'm not a, 
chord. I don't play the guitar. I don't sing songs. Um, <laughs> but what I what I believe is there are only two kinds of music, good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of bad today, right? <laughs> yeah, there is, especially in popular music. It's, they're all just um, they're all about the video and showing as much skin as possible and jiggling around. The words are trashy. And, you know, anybody with taste listens to the oldies station <laughs> if they like popular music, because that was a great era. So, so many, so many of those pop groups were, they were also different from each other, you know, and now they all sound the same. And that, that's something right there. But anyway, that's, that's why Wichita Lineman is a great song. And you can Google it and find a harmonic. You, those of you who play the guitar, you can Google it and find the chords, uh, you know, a lead sheet online and play through them and you'll see what I mean. It's just, you'll be like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, now, even, even the aged or the young then psychedelic hippies understood through their drug-fueled, sex-fueled, <laughs> The uh, uh, escapades understood what you just said, so yeah, and they were. Pardon me for interrupting, but they were as kids. See, they were still under music education in the schools, which we don't have so much now. So let me give you a perfect example of this. I did a parody of this song, and it was very difficult to do. Because number one, my uh, my church show band guys, they love to make it sound just like the record. So they sit there for hours and figure out how did they do this. And the second part is, let's listen to the harmonies. And these are beautiful. They're so beautifully done. great song now you can hear john phillips singing the lead michelle phillips and mama cass elliott you can't tell them apart but that's two voices on that female back and forth there yeah well i i can hear that it's harmony and but but still it's the heart it's the chords again in this song i think the melody's great too but a great melody is more likely to happen with great chords and do you write the chords first and then the melody and then the tune or the or do you write the words first everybody does it differently every song even the same person doesn't dif does it differently from song to song there's no formula really uh, and that's just the um, genius of imagination of in in a way sanctified imagination as as some catholics call it right the 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 desire which is the desire for goodness, truth, and beauty, and in this case, especially beauty, and a sensitivity to beauty, to what sounds beautiful to others, which they don't seem to have now. It's a lot of screaming, and it's all angry, <laughs> not all, but a lot, mostly angry. We used to have humor songs. Even the Beatles had funny songs, you know, but the, the groups then, would think about the different sounds, absolutely unique sounds between the mamas and the papas there, and Glenn Campbell, and the Beatles, and the Beach Boys. I mean, uh, and, you know, go on the list. 
they all sounded unique and different from one another. And each one had wonderful hits. You know, but now it, it turn, I challenge you, if you can stand to hear the words, if you can even understand the words, to listen to the station, the pop station now. It's just one after the it's other. Trash. It's trash. It's the same. Yeah, they're all, but they're not unique. They're, they're churned out of a factory or something. I don't know. They're, they're, well, it is a factory, a factory filled with demons. Now, I want to play one more for you because you and I talked about it. Okay. Now, these lads were classically trained. Okay. Three of them could play the piano. All of them could play the the six-string guitar. Only one of them had one instrument, a drum. But they were classically trained, and they could write beauty, and they could write harmony. This is my favorite one from them. It's George Martin playing that. baby wore, and what's more is true, yes it is. Now, you can clearly hear three beautiful, you can hear uh, uh, Paul screaming high, I think, John staying home, and George low, I guess, I don't, uh, 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 that's your yeah. that's your feel, but you can hear three in sync, you just, they're trying yeah. to, they're trying to make a sound that an individual human voice can't make, but they're not trying to make I, it I ugly, they're trying to make it beautiful. Song? I don't know that song, the Beatles. That's that's a very obscure song of them. Is that a very early one? It is very early, nineteen sixty-three. You know, um, there's a, there's been a new documentary out on some uh, station that I I subscribed to it just for five minutes and then canceled it. <laughs> well, you know, you know, as long as it took to watch the Beatles documentary, all it is is footage of them recording and they're kind of practicing and fooling around. And they record it all, and then they go piece it together. But they they have a kind of had a kind of improvisatory approach to songwriting, and they just had fun and played around, and they caught on to some things. And so they do that again, do that again. Oh, and you know, and they sort of put it together in the most creative way. Uh, I thought that's a, a really wonderful documentary if you get to see it. But yeah, those were very great and did, talented. And actually, Ringo played the piano a little bit, too. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. I didn't know that, yeah. And they all played the guitar, they all played the piano, um, and they played all sorts of odd other instruments, you know, that they brought in for some of the novelty songs. But, yeah, yeah uh, that yeah. thing that was playing in the beginning, what is that called? Harmonium? Is that what that is? Uh, I don't know. It There's almost... I have. I don't think <laughs> it. Yeah, it's a very strange instrument. We're, we're, we're talking with Dr. Michael Kurek. Uh, uh, Symphony Number no. 2, Tales from the Realm of Fairy is his latest CD that's out. You can find it at all the usual places. Now, I went to, <laughs> you and I talked about Spotify. So, mm -hmm. well, let me go check him out on Spotify. I went to the Spotify homepage, and I just closed it and ran. It's so awful. The Spotify homepage is filled with softcore porn tatted up people and I don't even the titles of the songs were so awful I went who does it and this is the most pop this is trending number one on Spotify and I wanted to tell the story to the audience that you told me because you're an accomplished musician and composer you told me that you get to vote through the uh, Academy uh, uh, the, what we call the Grammys so the, 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 to the Academy you get to vote on the song of the year tell the audience the story you told me 
Yeah, well, there are five. Uh, they end up with five finalists, five nominees, and the members get to vote. You know, on which which is the song, the record of the year, which is basically there's there are different awards. One for performance, which is song. One for songwriter, which is song of the year, and one for performance and production and all. That's record of the year. The record of the year is the big one, you know, because whoever wins that sees their sales go up immediately, and so everybody wants it. But um, all five of them were pornographic, it, a couple uh, like last year when I went to vote, and I couldn't vote for. I mean, I couldn't even stand to listen to more than thirty seconds of any of them. It's all about booty and everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just just nasty, you know, stuff. I mean. And this is what they, and this is the top five. I mean, the and the nastier, the the more uh, sales. And these people are selling in the billions. The straight the streams. I mean, the Spotify streams are they're in the billions, and they're all over the world listening to this pornography. Uh, I mean, it's just astonishing. And, and meanwhile, Symphony Number no. Two has made thirty-six dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that was my last. It was your cut. <laughs> that was the C knows my last CD. But that CD was Billboard number one classical CD, and I didn't make much money. And if Beethoven were alive, he might not be able to earn a living from his music. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he would have to teach or something. <laughs> and and so, uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, we're such so marginalized, and that's why it's so important for Catholics to find seek out the beautiful. And uh, if you if you get my, I'm not trying to plug things, but a place you can look is in my book, uh, The Sound of Beauty, a classical composer on music in the spiritual life. And I have a playlist in the back in the appendix to get you started on beautiful classical music, and just you know from there it'll lead you to other beautiful things but you have to really seek it out now it's not it's not on the front page anymore you know you've got to work at finding and playing beautiful things for your children you know do a little research on it and uh, but all this classical music that's that's got beautiful melodies and all is on youtube and it's on spotify i listen i'm, I'm ashamed but i i listen to spotify <laughs> but it's only classical i don't go to the home page like you did I go. I have a bookmark to go straight to the classic, <laughs> and it just shows the album cover, which is usually some pastoral scene of a, a meadow or something. Well, speaking of uh, your work, let's let's listen to a little bit of Symphony Number no. Two: Tales from the Realms of Fairies. Okay.
I gotta tell you, Doc, that is beautiful. You're telling a story there. You're, you're telling me a story with instruments. What are you telling me? Well, it's it's called Tales from the Realm of Fairy because I'm a big fan of um, George MacDonald, the fairy tale author who inspired C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Okay. And, and I wanted to write music that sounded like it was taking me as a small child to some enchanted place of my imagination. You succeeded and, because it was very enchanting. Well, and let me tell you, in the context of, of my colleagues, my peers, contemporary classical music now is, is modernist. So it's something like abstract art. It's very uh, random uh, sound effect kind of music a lot of the time, and often very dissonant and, and harsh and ugly to most people. And I wanted to, to invoke that feeling of early childhood as, of uh, wonder that we lose as we get older. And George MacDonald inspired this with this quote. He said, uh, a, a fairy tale um, doesn't, is not designed to make you think. It's designed to awaken things within you. And a lot of the, the contemporary classical music give, is about climate change <laughs> and every cause and social justice thing. They give you this long diatribe, and then you listen to this beeps and squeaks that sounds like nothingness. Beeps and squeaks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like nothing that they described. It's so preachy. And I said, I don't want to give. I don't want to even give necessarily a gospel message that's preachy. I want to just try to reach down into the heart and the forgotten, lost sensibility of wonder, and. Play music that sounds like something you might remember vaguely from childhood. In this piece, there are like ballroom dances, like Cinderella. There are sword fights. There are uh, swashbuckling chases, and they're all all this kind of uh, fairyland stuff. So, what the part that you just played was was one of the uh, kind of dreamy parts, but a lot, but there's all of it in in the whole. It's a 45 minute long symphony. And on the CD is also my Latin Mass, which is an easy-to-sing uh, setting of the Mass, which is short enough for liturgical use. And a lot of choir directors are, uh, or the music is published, and, and they're uh, finding that their regular volunteer choirs can sing this Latin Mass in, in, in Mass. And it's um, very helpful because it's easy to sing. So you have a Kyrielis, you have a Kyrielis yes. on a Gloria. Gloria, Agnus Dei, um, and, um, and they're each doable. You know, one of the things, amateur adult choirs, they don't have a lot of rehearsal time. So, yeah, they could learn the, the Mozart <laughs> Requiem, maybe, but, uh, you know, over several rehearsals. And, you know, this is, it still sounds classical, and it sounds... I think uh, um, the feedback I'm getting is it's so lovely and pleasing. And you can understand the words. The words are not all on top of each other. So it's got clarity and, um, and functionality. That was kind of my goal because I found that church choir sometimes that it's too high and it sounds like someone's strangling a cat back there. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. I was there at that mass. I actually, I actually heard that. The heart's in the right place, but the music is just too hard. So uh, that's one of my missions as, as a composer is to write some easier 
but yet dignified, reverent, beautiful classical Latin uh, settings. Now, I, I, I have Maria on there as well. Oh, now, where can we get this? Now, tell the folks where, because there, 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 there's a hundred well, requests now. Get, You're going to sell some records today. Where, do, where, yeah, where can they get the it? With the symphony. <clears throat> it's, those are additional. You've got four tracks, which are the four movements of the symphony. Okay. And then you've, then you've got another, like, seven tracks of choral music on the same CD. But it's not a CD. Actually, it's only a download, right? No, it's a CD. It's a physical. The thing you're seeing behind me is the copy of the album cover. You can order the physical CD on Amazon, and it'll come, and you can pop it in your car player or something, if that's your preferred method. Some of the kids don't even own a CD player anymore, so that you can also download it. Yeah, you'd have to be driving a hoopty to actually uh, have a CD player, uh, <laughs> like I yeah, have. Yeah, my older car has a CD player. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, you can use it. You can get it, put it on your MP3, and project that through your car. My wife has a car like that that it's all high tech. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it, you know. But but um, I like to hold a physical CD in my hand. And there's a 12-page color booklet with pictures and biographies and everything in the inside the cover of the physical CD. So. Mm -hmm. And it's called Symphony Number no. Two: Tales from the Realm of Fairy yeah, and, and then other works. And other works. That's the math. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're with Dr. Michael Keurig, who is obviously the composer, composer behind Symphony Number no. Two and the host of Great Adventures in Catholic Music. Um, let me just ask you a, a, a kind of a, a, a personal but spiritual question: When you sure. approached the music for the Mass, I mean, I. Uh, my participation in uh, in mass in our church is father, two priests, Father Damien and Father Ken, allow me to get up and make the announcements for them so they don't have to in their homily. <laughs> and they let me throw in a little blurb, maybe a paragraph, about the saint of the day or the feast or whatever it is. that nice. I And I enjoy researching and telling the story to the congregation. But it's before the mass starts. I don't want anything to do right. with the mass other than be on my knees. Exactly. So when you're composing for a mass, though, I mean, how do you put your, I mean, you're understanding that, man, I'm, I'm composing something for the worship of God. How, yeah. how do you do that? Well, thank you. That That is a great question. It is um, it is a spiritual responsibility. I'm not just writing entertainment music at that point. I really prayed um, and had to go deeper into the text of the mass. What is it really, what is the tone of it? What is it? Uh, you know, because there's, uh, in the Sanctus, there's kind of glory, and there's, but there are also moments of, of kind of um, reflection and penitence. And so I tried to, to do what you call text setting in vocal music, which is follow the text and let the music become sad very momentarily or become glorious at the end with a big amen. And um, so you, you know, you let the, the, the text dictate the, the notes to you. And that happens in my head through some kind of gift of God, because I don't, I, I tell my wife every day, I didn't write this music. I don't know where this came from. I just, I just took dictation. And I'm not claiming revelation, believe me, um, you know, but it's, it's somehow just the way my brain is wired in the subconscious it's it's there's music and it and then i hear it playing 
and I've got to run and write it down or I go crazy. <laughs> and it's always been that way from a child. And I mean, when I was a small child, like four years old, and I, I remember just hanging by my knees from the bar that goes across the side of a swing set, upside down, rocking back and forth, and da-dee-da-dee-da, making up my own tunes. <laughs> and, and it just never stopped. And, and you know, I had to write them down or I... Or, you know, it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> a curse. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember once I was at the beach and um, I had to go back to my car and find a, the back of a McDonald's hamburger wrapper from the floor <laughs> of the car that a kid left there and draw five lines and write a melody on it because it was what I heard, you know, when I was walking on the beach. Uh, so now I've learned to bring a pad with me of music staff paper or sing into a little uh, recorder or something uh, because I don't know you know where I'll be when it hits me. So, so, so the scene in, in uh, Amadeus mm-hmm. where the actor Thomas Hulse is in his study, there's a billiard table, he's got his music sheet in front of him, and he's just taking a ball and just bouncing it at angles off of the off of the rails. And then mm-hmm. as he's bouncing it, you've seen the film, obviously. Yeah, I have. It's been a while, but yeah. So as he's bouncing the ball, he's going... He's getting yeah. he's getting the inspiration for the uh, I want to say it's for the uh, for the requiem, but there's no instruments there. He's just hearing it in his head and he's writing it down. And I never yeah. I I, for, I I can never forget that scene. It's so simple, but he's just there. It's just it's yeah. in a study. It's a billiard table and there's a ball and there's sheets yeah. of paper and a quill pen and ink and he's bouncing yeah. the ball. And when he catches it, he goes oh, yeah. And then he writes some notes, and then he bounces it again. Yeah, I do. I I have that skill. I can write. I can write music sitting in an airport waiting room or something on paper without the aid of an instrument. But that's a basic skill that music majors are supposed to learn, and some of them don't learn it as well as they should. But um, we call it sight singing and ear training. Sight singing and ear training. You should. Be Is there a tone deaf version of that? Because I have it. A, a t- <laughs> Is there a flat uh, version of that? Because I have it. You know, sight screaming and ear straining. That's what we call it sometimes. Um, but, but you're supposed to be able to pick up a piece of music and look at a line and be able to sing it without an instrument. And they teach you how to do that. It's a basic skill. For a composer, it's a crucial skill. But And everyone seems so impressed by that. But honestly, that's not what matters because that's a skill you can learn. What matters is whether what you write sounds any good. <laughs> <laughs> So you can just write a bunch of uh, just a bunch of dots yeah, on the I, one. Could, I could be all inspired and write a bunch of garbage that no one wants to hear. <laughs> let's listen to a little bit more. I fast forward it to about five minutes into Symphony Number no. Two. Let's uh, let's just take a listen. Okay, thank you.
it probably sounds uh, it's it's so beautiful, but it probably sounds simple to, to people. But you went from sword fight back to fairyland, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a big jumble. It's, it doesn't tell a specific story. It's like a pastiche of all these images that are swimming in your head from from childhood, in, in my mind, anyway. So, so was, that's how I wrote it. For forty-five minutes, you could put this on and just for <laughs> lose yourself. Yeah. And that's what I want people to do is not multitask. It's not classical music is best heard when you give it your full attention and not background music to something else. And there is background music. You can use it for background music, but you get the most out of it when you really pay attention to it. And But you go into this zone that's like um, the right side of the brain, you know, That's and you lose yourself in this way of... Uh, and it's very much, to me, it's very contemplative. And it's a lot like uh, uh, the same thing I feel when I'm in adoration. Uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, I just go into another place. You know, and, right. it, and we all do that. Catholics, I think, that have a prayer, uh, have cultivated a, a prayer sensibility. You know, we, uh, we know, you know what I mean. And, and music can take you there. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm just endlessly fascinated by it and uh, but it's also like if you think of Tolkien or these people it's a sanctified imagination it's the beautiful gift of God of him being the creator and we being the sub creator we take the stuff he's made which is sound which is paint and we can make our own pitiful art <laughs> in response to his divine creativity and, and that, so what he's made, it, it's like we're a, a fruit tree. That's the fruit that we produce. And everybody has some creativity. Sure, everyone. It's just, they just don't uh, always, they're too busy or they don't take the time to tap into it. But it's a very Catholic thing to to be creative, in my opinion. And, and it's it's a gift. It's it's missing out on one of God's beautiful gifts. And we we need them because the world is so harsh now. You need to escape into something, you know, prayer first, and then something that, that's nourishing to your soul. Well, you know, my friend uh, Norman Fauché, the artist, is bringing, uh, he, he discovered that uh, he started going to the uh, to the old mass and his artwork changed. He mm. goes, my pers- the way I approached the canvas, the way I was drawing, it just changed. He said, "The more traditional, or more, uh, the more I, uh, I became enamored with sacred tradition, my art—I mean, the, the way I drew—I mean, previously it was almost comic book style. Now yeah. you go and you see, and people are just—they—they they, they seek him the world over now. And he sold thousands of prints of his uh, of his Saint Joseph the Worker, um, yeah. and he looks wow. like Saint Joseph the Worker. So there is this thing in transcendence. Uh, yes, it is transcendence." And I was showing the audience quickly. Uh, this is Michael's book. We have it in the Founders Trading Post, The Sound of Beauty, Dr. Michael Kurek. Get yourself a copy at shop.mikechurch.com. Uh, yeah, please continue. Well, I, I just think it's um, that <clears throat> transcendence is, is something that is greater than the sum of its parts. And tr- truth, goodness, and beauty all feed together to do that. And ultimately... They come from God, and the difference is oh, some people have that, like where you were playing the pop music earlier, who knows what their spiritual life was, but 
at least for us, we can appreciate it that as being from God. And it's Romans chapter 1, you know, he says that, that all of the, um, everything that's created speaks of the existence of God and and proves that there, you know, you'd have to be a fool to uh, not see that God exists from just looking at nature. But it's not just the scientific wonder of nature, but it's the beauty of nature, the sunset. I mean, think about it. It's not just molecules, but it's just this display of God, you know, you know, look in the heavens and you, you know, if you know the Lord, it's just the most wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. It's like taking a bath in God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we only have a couple of minutes left. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Carrick is going to do a couple, uh, maybe 10, 12 new episodes of Catholic Adventures and Great Music. And that's because after reflecting upon it, we're like, what? I found a few more that we could actually do shows on. Um, believe, believe it or not, when those shows were debuting, when the new ones were coming out, uh, I could look in the listener stats and I could see people actually tuning in because they wanted to hear it. Uh, they're all available as podcasts at crusadechannel.com. Um, uh, but we have 10 or 12 new ones coming up. Who did you leave out and discover that we can have new Catholic adventures and great music shows? Well, there are some... Um well, I won't call them the B team, but they're great composers who didn't necessarily write all the big symphonies that the, the greatest composers wrote. People like um, Borodin, Alexander Borodin, Russian composer, beautiful music. Um, De Delius, I, didn't, I don't think I did any Vivaldi. Uh, Rimsky-Korsakov wrote some beautiful music. Sibelius, uh, George Gershwin, uh, maybe, but not much of his is classical Puccini. Sessons is another great, uh, beautiful classical composer. And I want to do a show on the favorite classical music of Pope, the late uh, Pope Benedict XVI, uh, because he was a great classical lover, and he played the piano, and he played Mozart and all this stuff. And uh, I want to do a show on just him and his, all of his wonderful quotes about music and the, his favorite five pieces or something. Uh, so that'll be a fun show. Yeah, we'll look forward to uh, uh, to that. Also, I just want to going to put you on the spot here now. The state of Tennessee gave you an award. Wait, 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 now, <laughs> maybe they found out that you were a practicing radical Catholic afterwards, but they gave you an award, and I was like, "Hey, look at this! What was the award for?" <clears throat> uh, it's I'm I am the official composer laureate of the state of Tennessee. <laughs> Heard of poet laureates? Well, I'm a composer laureate. There are a few. There are four states that have that position. Three of the other three are empty at the moment because the person holding that title died, and they haven't bothered to find a new one. Uh, but England has the Master of the King's Music, also called the Composer Laureate of England, and um, so the it's, it's it is something that exists, and somebody in the legislature heard some of my music and thought, uh, well, we need Tennessee, of all the states with poets' mu music, ought to have a composer laureate. And uh, so the, they interviewed me. They brought me before a committee of the House, and then uh, they went through the House of Representatives of the state and then the state Senate, and eventually passed, uh, just like a, it's a law, actually, and the governor <laughs> signed it. It's a law. And, so it's, it's not just a proclamation, it's actually a law. 
and it's lifetime. It's a lifetime appointment. It's a lot to live up to. Somebody's <laughs> going to come and kill me. There's somebody can kill me. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it, it's um, it's quite an honor in that sense. And, and um, yeah, it's, it, it, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's all a mystery to me how, how it actually happened and went through. But uh, I said, heck yeah, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> well, I, I don't have to do anything. Well, see, so you could go, you you could go into clubs and go like, hey, hey, stop that porn trash. Yeah. Well, who, under yeah. whose authority? I yeah. am the composer laureate of this state. You yeah, could even get a fake badge and you could flash your fake no badge. Power. <laughs> I have no authority, no power. That's <laughs> wonderful. But, but it's, a, it's just a lovely acknowledgement that I've contributed music in the state to, I've written many times for the Nashville Symphony, the Nashville Ballet, and for other uh, musical organizations in the state. And so, you know, I've contributed. Um, one of my pieces, they did a, a, a 100-year time capsule at the state, Bicentennial, and they put one of my scores in that capsule, along with a CD of Garth Brooks <laughs> and some other, all kinds of other memorabilia of the state. So, yeah, Tennessee has been good to me. And um, it's I came here um, to teach at Vanderbilt University, uh, from which I recently retired. And, um, you know, many years there and just being able to, you know, I wrote program notes for the Nashville Symphony and things like that and, and played a lot of chamber music and, um, you know, woodwind quintets and string quartets and well, things like that. Chamber music better than chamber pot music. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I think, just think so, too. Uh, we're, we're out of time. We're going to have to leave okay. it there. I look forward to, uh, to the new shows. Congratulations okay. on the distinction and on Symphony Number no. Two. Listeners can get copies at Amazon, as you heard, and you can get actually CD copies. Uh, Dr. Michael Curick, uh, it's a blessing to have you as part of our little Crusade family here. Thank you, and God bless you. It's a blessing to me, and thank you so very much. All right, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, Bye, everybody.